Hey there, fam. It's Gayon Nicole, the host of She Ventures Now podcast here. I am excited to share another podcast interview, special interview with the lovely Brittany Ross about her journey of changing careers. Brittany is an education advocate, and we had a few laughs talking about the symptoms of being career frustrated. I loved hearing how she got professional help in developing a clear vision for her career path in education policy. And if you're interested in making a career change, I'm definitely going to suggest you checking this podcast episode out for your encouragement. So listen up. Perfect. Hey, Brittany. Hey. How's it going? Pretty good. Thank you for having me. Of course. Of course. Thanks so much for being available and willing and enthusiastic in sharing your journey of resetting your career and taking bold moves to to really have what you want in your work life because I feel like that's going to really encourage a lot of people so thank you so much so just jumping into things um I want people to know how we knew each other we met in South Florida at a happy hour event for the young professional network for urban league correct and yes correct I think we just really gelled as young professional women. And I think I might've told you some things that I'm into and you told me some things that you're into. And I believe we were both in transition and it's kind of interesting to see. Um, I think what triggered me to reach out to you was the interview you did with uh, bossed up Emily, I think career coach, Emily Arias, Aries. Yes, and uh-huh. so I was like, yeah, you know, Brittany, I'm doing a podcast. I'd love for you to join us and just share your journey again so that other people can feel inspired. But before we do and jump into your story, could you tell us what you do now and more about that? Yes. Well, of course, my name is Brittany Ross. And when people ask me what I do or what my field is, I always lead with saying that I am an education advocate Um, because I found that regardless of whatever job titles that I've taken on, it's always in line with my ultimate goal, which is to be an education advocate. Um, so I've done various things in that space. Currently, I've taken the leap and I've started my own education consulting firm, which is called Priority Ed. And Perfect. with that, um, it's really important for me to look at education through a social justice lens and to make sure all the students that we are serving, mm-hmm. uh, that we're meeting their needs as well as the, the needs of the communities in which they live. So that's what I do. But in addition to consulting um, education entities, whether schools or school districts, school boards, um, state level as well, I also provide direct student services because at the end of the day, it's up to us to fill the gaps that we feel are missing in our communities Yeah, and we can't just wait for somebody else to do it. So we have to do that. So I offer anything from just learning about you and what it is that you want to do uh, concerning your future and your career path for yourself and your family and help you scaffold to get there. So whether it's finding the best education program that fits you, helping you figure out how to finance it. If you're a student and you need tutoring because you need to get that GED, anything, we try to fill those gaps so that you and your family can be propelled forward. Nice. I love it. I love it. It's so involved. And I love how how articulate and passionate you sound and energized you sound for what you do. It's stuff that you want to hear in people when they talk about your career. 
Now, as far as the podcast is concerned, what 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 triggered you? Like, tell us about your journey a little bit. Like, what triggered you to get to the place where you're like, you know what? Um, and I believe you pursue you're pursuing your PhD, or you already yes. have a master's, right? Pursuing it, pursu- I have my master's, pursuing my PhD program. Yes. Okay. What triggered you to say, you know what? I'm not gonna wait for the right job for me mm-hmm. to engage in what I want to do um, as my ultimate career. I'm gonna create something. Or tell us about that journey. Okay, so so eventually creating my own. Yeah, because I think you're you're now the, the CEO and founder of your own consultancy, right? Yes, yes. So I'll tell you what triggered that. I mean, I think all along my journey with all my different jobs and my different titles, I've recognized um, what my passions were. So I knew it was education. Yeah. I knew it was equity. I knew that it was providing access and support that not everyone has, you know, the privilege of having. So I knew that. So fortunately, all the jobs that I've had allowed me to work towards that in some way. Now, uh, my previous job that I had right before I launched Priority Ed is what really triggered it in me. So I'm going to really, it sounds, it sounds like a juicy story. Like, go ahead. So I worked for a, um, a civil rights law firm. Yeah. And it was great. I was able to make a difference in education on several levels. So not only was I an advocate, like in the community and able to go throughout Florida and rally the troops. Um, I was also able to do it through research and policy analysis. And then my favorite was also at the state level of, you know, doing some lobbying and um, helping to craft sound policy or to look at policy that was coming out of there and say, uh uh-uh, this is what we don't like and here's why. Right. And after doing that for a year and giving it my all blood, sweat, and tears, <laughs> the organization decided that, hey, we're no longer going to move forward with education. Wow. As, a, as one of their um, areas that they worked in, I guess they figured um, Did they, 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 work, they work on great issues. They work on great issues, but I think at the time, um, I don't know exactly what they were thinking, but I assume that they wanted to focus more on mass incarceration, which is definitely important, especially in our state. Mm-hmm. But I feel that those two items go hand in hand, especially when you look at things like the school to prison pipeline. Yeah. But regardless of whatever their reasons were, it set it had me sitting in awe of how something like that can happen. How you can just yeah. decide, you know, we're not going to do this anymore. Thank you for your service. Goodbye. Um, and yeah. that's when I decided, I said, never again yeah. will I allow someone else to dictate how far I can take my passions or or dictate the things that I can do on behalf of the population that I love. So, um, so that's when I said, literally the next day, I was like, no, no. How do I make my own business? I'm getting on. I'm asking different people. I'm going online. And literally in a month, it was formed. And I said, wow. I want to advocate for people, I'm going to be able to do it and not at the mercy of someone else or at a, uh, on the mercy of a, an employer. Right. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And it's funny because I find, and um, we'll talk about this too, but I find that every time that I talk to a friend, I talk to even a mentor, and I, I even unpack my own story of why I chose the entrepreneurial route. It's because you get faced with those types of moments, right? Like you just find that you're you're just so easily disposable that job security is not what it's that whole concept. It's almost like an oxymoron. Like, really? Do we really have job security or not? You know? So it's interesting. Thank you for sharing that moment. Um, my question to you, 
because I feel like a lot of times, a, a lot of people associate career with stability, right? A job, you want to feel stable. That's just something we desire. But along that journey of having a job, we face moments of anxiety. We face moments of trial. We face a challenge and we get extra nervous. And for me, that extra nervousness or that anxiety is a trigger. It could be at least of, mm-hmm. of the next step to change. And so what I want to ask you is what was a moment in time where you were extra nervous? Was it that that story or was it something else? Or were there other things that have happened over the years that you're like, I know off the top of my, I know you, it's almost like, wait, is the wind, <laughs> is it the wind? You know, it's time. Right. It's time. Um, yes, actually years ago, before I hopped over into the education policy and research space, I was in traditional higher ed. So, you know, I like, I know you like to say that we met during working, but I want to say we met at the university of Florida. Cause I remember the really? first time I saw you, I was like, I know you remember I said, I know you, Yeah, but when I was at UF, I got my master's in higher ed. And so from there, my first real job at a grad school was in higher ed, traditional higher ed. I worked at Florida Atlantic University in academic advising. Okay. And it was great. I was able to advise students. I also worked as an adjunct instructor. And it was great. But the moment for me where I realized something was a little bit off was when I realized there was only so much I could do for students. And then I also realized that only certain students were sitting in front of me. So, for example, if somehow you you got into school, uh, you've chosen a major because you're in the college in which I, I work for, um, you made an appointment, you're sitting in front of me, at some level you overcome some of the very hurdles that I want to rid of for other potential students who can't even get their foot in the door. So I felt limited. Like I knew I was doing good work on behalf of the students that I was able to see, but it was this unseen population that I would never see because they're not in school or they don't necessarily have the opportunity to go to school or they don't know that they could go to school. So I got extra nervous when I started feeling a little different at my job. I started feeling like there's gotta be something more, like there's something else that I could be doing. And so in those uh, months leading up to my departure from that position, I was just Googling all the time. I was like, how can I change? (laughs) I actually think, pause, pause. I actually think the moment we all go to Google, (laughs) I think that's a symptom. I just feel like that's a moment. (laughs) Everybody needs to just talk about the moment you go to Google. (laughs) Googling your feelings and emotion, you know it's time, right? Yes. Because that's what I was doing. I was like, how can I? <laughs> how to start okay. your own. How to quit. <laughs> yeah. All of those things. But I was really trying to figure out what can I do that's in my field, but that will address these missing pieces that I yeah. have. And so that's how I stumbled upon education policy. It's the policy aspect of it. That's the only way to yeah. get at the root of some of these things that, you know, what I'm feeling. Yeah. Whether it's access, success financing, any of those things, it was policy. Um, so in that moment, I knew I was nervous because I know when I have something in here, oh, it's, it's happening. It's going, yeah. it's going down. Like I'm going to, I'm going to take, make the move to, um, make the necessary changes. So I was nervous because I knew my time was coming to an end, but not because my time was coming to an end was I nervous, but I was nervous because I didn't know what that next step looked like. That was not yeah. my training. That was not necessarily my fo- my focus initially when I started um, out as an educator. So I knew I was going to have to figure it out as I went. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. That's important. I th- appreciate you sharing that. I wonder if you could tease out a little bit, um, especially just 
sort of you reflecting out loud on your multiple journeys, right? Because we don't we don't just hit the career reset button on our on our work life once. I think we do it, well, you know, yeah. predictably over yeah. a, a you know a set of years. We do it multiple times. I wonder That's if you could speak to what you would say, you know, in your opinion, classic or universal symptoms of uh, being career frustrated, right? So, like you already talked about you already talked about being extra nervous or feeling frustrated at the fact that you're not serving the type of people that you want. And then we, we, we talked about the Google moment, but what would you say are some other things? And it could be manifesting in like other ways, like when you go home, your car ride yeah. home, the way you talk to your friends about your work yeah. or being, uh, you know, not proud of your work. So like you introduce yourself, you feel like you don't want to say what Absolutely. you do, you know, what are some of the things you say? Um, for one, for sure. Uh, it's how you feel Sunday night. hashtag Sunday night how do you feel Sunday night knowing that in the morning time you have to go to work I'm a true believer that when you love what you do it's not that you're not going to be tired right because sometimes you just stayed out and you're tired you want a few hours sleep but it's beyond that yeah Sunday night you you're a little sick to your stomach or you're just trying to figure out how I can make it through the week or you're just counting down. So you're at five, you wake up Monday morning, five, you leave four, three, two, one until you get to Friday. That is a huge symptom. If you're counting down and it's just Sunday night. So hashtag Sunday night for sure. <laughs> it's okay. And hashtag. what you said is so true about your pride. When people ask you, Hey, what do you do? If you're not, it's not necessarily beaming from ear to ear, because uh, we're all going to go through phase where you're not exactly static about what you're doing. But if you don't speak to it with confidence and belief in what you do, or you're thinking to the back in the back of your mind, I wish I could be saying X, Y, Z when someone asked me this question. Yeah, you know that that's an that's another sign. So those are my two top two. Uh, signs right there so sunday night and not being proud of the work you do i think those are pretty good those are really good and really good so um more about your journey because i feel like you have a lot to give right and i want to i want to juice you of like all your wisdom (laughs) (laughs) on this two two reasons too because i feel like one you have the heart of an educator so that's like a big deal right to be able to talk to someone like you but then also you've you, you not only reset your career, you started a business. And so I didn't even realize it until we kind of got on this recording. But I want to know some of the old thought patterns you've had to get rid of or you had to mature out of, right? Because I think we all graduate from our schools and they're training wheels for success for us. But they're not the real deal. We get right. into grad school and then we actually start our work experience. And then we realize like, oh, Yo, that's not real life. Like I can, or maybe it's about like asserting our womanhood or maybe it's about asserting ourselves at the workplace. It doesn't matter, but I want you to kind of give us insight into some of the aha moments you've had or the things that you've had to overcome mentally. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you one huge thing. And I was just having this conversation recently. Um, one of my big aha moments is when I sat down and I said, Hmm, I am an entrepreneur. I feel like that has been, something that a lot of people just don't think they are we we're trained to think that we don't have much to offer because we'll compare ourselves to the big timers like i'm no mark zuckerberg or i know (laughs) you know these big names and of course if you compare yourself to these people who have been in business and are billionaires you're definitely not going to feel like you're uh, an entrepreneur or in any you know equal standing whatsoever yeah but 
I've learned my aha, aha moment was that we are all entrepreneurs. You definitely have something to offer. You just have to sit down with yourself and package, like tease out, like you said, what what are your abilities? What are the things that you're good at? What are the things that you are an expert at? What are the things that people come to you and ask you all the time? Hey, how can I do this? Or, hey, what's the route to do this? We are all experts in something. And you have something to offer someone, whether it is a good or a service. So the biggest moment for me was realizing that, hey, I am an entrepreneur. I think I was trained in the old school way of thought that, you know, you grow up, you go to school, you get a good job, and you stay there. Yeah. You know, you build your 401k. And I realized I was stuck in this. And oftentimes people say, hey, do you ever want to start your own business? My answer would always be no, absolutely not. Like that was never even a thought. And to see myself go from that truly being what I believed to now running my own business and thinking about launching another, it amazes me. And so I know if I can overcome that, I know that anybody can. Amen. I feel like that was a point. That was a, that was yeah. like that was a really good point. You yeah. know, I definitely, I, I definitely love how you're speaking to um, people in a way that empowers them to know they can make things happen for themselves. Mm-hmm. They don't always have to look for the next job, right? right. So the next, Absolutely. the next pre-scripted work responsibility given it and they can can create it for themselves so that's Mm -hmm. that's beautiful um so here's my question for you what's the one thing that you think it takes to change to change your career well so some people might not be ready for entrepreneurship right like that Mm -hmm. might not be their point right now but they know i know i gotta change something what do you think it takes what's the one thing because there's a lot of stuff out there right Mm -hmm. and a lot of times we get stuck in the details but yeah. what is maybe something for you that you're like, every time it's been this, this one thing mm-hmm. to make it well, to pivot. Yeah. Um, well, I have two. Then I give you two. One yeah, thing, girl, one is bravery. Okay. That's just all to it. Got to yeah. be brave and go for it. Because if we don't, I mean, it's going to be the same result. The same yeah. result, right? True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the second thing um, for sure is to rethink the work week. Wow. Rethink the work week. I know a lot of times we think in this five day, Monday through Friday, um, eight hours a day, 40 hour a week type mindset. But there's, uh, first of all, two other days in the week. There's a Saturday and a Sunday. And there, there are also those after work hours. So if you're not doing something in your job that you want to, and you're not ready necessarily to jump ship and move on, or you haven't yet found the new opportunity that you want, or you're not ready, you're still building, growing, saving to eventually start your own, yeah. your own uh, business, really use those after hour, those after uh, after work hours and those weekend days. To count, yeah. Well, make them count. And what I mean by that is, okay, so you might not have the the tasks that you want in your job, but you can find those tasks in other ways. That's, you know, we met, like you said, at Urban League Young Professional Network. That was something for me. Right. I was able to do something that I love and am passionate about that wasn't necessarily tied into my workday. So, for example, um, you know, I'm the civic engagement chair. Yeah. So I'm able to work on programming and do public speaking um, that is really about uh, increasing engagement yeah. um, among young professionals 
and, and shedding light on issues that I want, that I choose, whether it's education policy issues or, or criminal justice issues, school to prison pipeline, anything like that. So really think about those after hours, those after hours and what you can do to tool yourself or to revamp your resume, to give you the skills that you want, that you know that you might be able to use on your next interview that you're not necessarily getting in your current nine to five. That's good. That's really good. Somebody needs to pocket that. I think it's it's so important that your passion kind kind of funnels into you becoming more valuable to mm-hmm. some other, oh. to the world or to to, to people that you might want to be employed by. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or even even in your potential business venture on your own, like well, that right. makes sense. You should be coming. Like I think what you're hitting on is something I'm really finding in my own life that I value is you should be aligned with the things that you're passionate about and they should feed into the value that you give to people if you were to ever become an entrepreneur or your job, right? Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean, that's not to say you can't have hobbies. That is not to say you can't be into stuff that has nothing to do with work. But I I love that you said that prioritizing things outside of the work week, outside of the typical nine to five so that you can, you know, get back in different ways. So that's, that's really cool. Yeah. So I have another question. Um, I have a, there's a section of the workshop that I'm creating about the career reset button. And I talked about, I talk about resetting your mindset about time. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not necessarily just the work week mindset of time, but also just in general, um, thinking the, thinking about how your time is valuable or precious Mm -hmm. and how you're worth you're worth someone employing you or you're worth someone doing business with you, right? Because I'm trying to catch both ends with you now. Now that you're an entrepreneur, I don't want to think of you just as an employee. How has yeah. you? How have you reset your mindset about time? Like, how have you learned to value your time? You know, I value my time now that I'm um, in line with myself professionally. Mm-hmm. You know, the things that I want to do that make me happy what I'm working on now is valuing my personal time. Yeah. Meaning hours yeah. that I'm not at any job or I'm not necessarily advocating for something or so for someone I'm advocating for myself. So how that looks for me is taking care of myself, whether it be working out, take yourself to go get that massage or that manicure and that pedicure. And then also the relationships, the relationships yeah. that you have with other people, um, making sure that they're healthy and that they are nurtured. Because ultimately, I think we are an extension of the people that we have around us, right? Your family and your yeah. friends. And they're the people that make you feel balanced. Because we're not, we're social beings, right? And we're not all work. I mean, I think in the United States, um, the society that we've set for ourselves sort of sometimes makes it makes it that way. Yeah. But that's not the truth, right? We, we live and we thrive yeah. on, on relationships. So that's one thing that I've tried to make. Um, priority. to really be intentional about yeah. is making sure that I'm taking care of myself and taking care of my relationships and my network and the people it. that I choose to surround myself with. Can I ask what's, um, do you think that when you were working for others, like in a regular job, do you felt like your life was out of balance or like that you felt like it just inhibited you from really enjoying even non-work hours? I mean, I'm not saying that it always is. I'm not saying you couldn't have a life. I'm just wondering, right. explore that out loud. Did you, did you feel like inhibited at all? 
You know, I didn't feel inhibited because, you know, I, I'm a big believer that if you want to be an entrepreneur, nothing should hold you back. Even if you want to explore it and try it, maybe it doesn't work. And then you start again and you try again. I don't think there's anything wrong with working for other people per se. Good. It's just what I've learned is because I was, you know, fortunate to have multiple jobs. I think I was frustrated that it looked different for different people. And you can have a great supervisor in one and a terrible one in another. You can have flexibility in one and not in the other. And it's like, you have, why am I having to choose between this? Like either work for you, but to give this up or work for you, but then I have to give this up. Um, yeah. So I don't think it kept me from doing the things that I wanted to do and things outside of work. I just thought it was just interesting that I had to renegotiate my time and how I wanted my time outside of work to look, depending on who I worked for. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. That's a that's yeah. really true. All right, so now we're in the rapid fire kind of zone of our podcast okay. interview, and these are just kind of like quick questions that I want to get your take on, so the audience hears and gets uh, you know little tidbits uh, of encouragement. So, okay. number one, what's your best piece of advice you've ever heard about a new about finding a new job? Best piece of advice. Um. About finding a new job? Yeah. Uh, know your worth. Know your value. Okay. Okay. You want to yeah. explore that just a little bit? Like, know your value monetarily? Just know how much know, you... Know it in every way. Know that you have something to offer. And I know this goes to... And I'm sure you've heard these, these this story or the, these statistics about women in general. Yes. About, Say it again, just for those who posting. don't know. Say it again. And, so women, we can see a job posting, right? And say there's 10 things that it says, like, you know, to apply for this, you must need to, you know, you, these are things that you must know how to do. We can have seven or eight out of the 10 and we will say, nope, I can't do it. I'm not qualified. I can't do it. I'll just let it pass me by and I'll just make sure I work on these things so that the next time it comes around, I'll be ready. Yeah. A man can see it. It might have six, five, maybe even four out of the 10. They'll be like, oh, I got this. And I can, you know, I can learn the other, the rest of the stuff. I got it. And they'll apply. And many of the times they'll get it. But why not? Well, because we, many of us have just exercised. And I'm guilty of that. I remember when I read that in some article I was reading, I was like, man, that is so true. Because yeah. I did it some months ago when I saw a job that I really wanted. But it had one thing in there that I thought I didn't yet know how to do. So I didn't apply, but then I took a class in it. But I, I could have applied for that job. Yeah. So that's why I mean. know your value. You have transferable skills. You have a mind. You right. Learn. I was going to say, my, hello. We're yeah, still so out here learning new things. Can, you can learn on the go. You can learn, you know, before. I mean, just know your value, right. what you have to offer to that company. But then also, like you said, which is really important as well, and we can preach on this, is also know your monetary value. Yeah. And don't let um someone give you less than what you need or deserve to do your job to, yeah to i love it i mean that that segues right into the next rapid fire question is best tip you've ever heard about negotiating salary or compensation what's the best thing you've ever heard and that you 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 apply this as like a go-to well i, I can't condense it but it's just what i said know your value so know your worth and so what i would say is before you this is something you should know in advance it's not something you yeah. should start thinking about when you see the job that you want like oh i really want this job so let me apply and then start thinking you got to know that you know better than anyone else yeah. what you know how to do and what you can bring to any organization so this is, should be something like i keep a, a little journal where i have it written out i i have written every time i have a new job or a new role i add to it 
something that I can do, a task that I know how to complete, a role that I've had, a project that I've done. So just to remind yourself, well, these are these are the things that I can bring to the table, whether it's in your job like description that. or not. I like this that. is this is what I have. So know your value, not just when you're applying, but even beforehand. Right. Beforehand, always. Yeah. For me, it was it was eye opening to, to read an article or two back when I was in the midst of trying to put myself back on the market. Um, mm-hmm. I was reading an article about how you should always push back in salary negotiations. And I didn't realize that. I mean, I had just, you know, (laughs) whatever first offer they gave me, I would, I would just close the deal just to make sure that I have the job, but you should always push back as almost as a sign of competition and being, you know, showing your A game. So that was one piece of advice that I had. And you're right. Just so I could piggyback off that. If I did have to give something else besides knowing your value, it would be to agree with that because I have a friend who works in HR and he gave me the skinny and he was like, we never ever give you whatever we tell you. That's never really the top. It's like, you should always push back. And then that, that really opened the eye for me because even though I probably could have guessed that to be true, to hear him say that, I was sort of offended. Like, how dare these people? So now. Oh, girl. Strengthen you to yes. know, like, okay, this is the game that we're playing. It is a don't you said it, it's a game. <laughs> and don't be nervous because we're timid sometimes, even like the strongest of us. I don't consider myself nervous, shy, or anything, but I find myself when I'm in situations like that. Sometimes I find myself and I won't push back and I'll just accept what's offered to me or given to me. But it was through him telling me that that it confirmed that it is a game and it is a business, and I owe it to myself to push back and to make sure I'm getting. Which all of the money that you have to all give of, me. all of it, right? <laughs> right. So my next question is, what's the best piece of advice you've ever heard on crushing an interview? Oh, make it a conversation. I like it. Easily make it a conversation. So give me some more tips about that, right? Because I think sometimes, and I I, I agree with you. I even thought about it like this. I I have found myself feeling more confident thinking that mm-hmm. it's a conversation and more so that I'm interviewing them. Yeah. That makes sense. So it's like, yes. but tease that out. Like, how do you, some people are not good at this, right? And honestly, rightfully so. How many times are you interviewing out throughout your life? Like you're, you're not, you're, you're prioritizing doing the work. You're not prioritizing necessarily interviewing, but how do you make things a conversation? Uh, you make it a conversation. So I think you just make sure when you go in there, you make sure you leave and you think to yourself, oh, I just made a really good friend. We had a good talk. Like the conversation should just be, like you have to remember they're people too. And yes, they're That's there to good. interview you. But just like you said, you're there to interview them. You need to make sure some things are in place to, to really confirm for you whether you want to work there or not. Like what is their personality? What are the, some of the things that they like and that they don't? And that they don't like. And then it could lead into other things like, hey, where did you go to school? Oh, I went to school there too. Like, it really needs to be a conversation. Yeah. Don't ever leave there feeling like it's an interview. Otherwise, you're going to feel like people are just pegging you with questions, pegging you with questions, and you have to perform or say the right thing. And it's not that. It just has to be a conversation. Number one, it'll be easier on you. But then it also showed them that you're, you're personable. You're a good, likable person. And that's typically the person that they'll want on their team. Because we forget that when you're at work, you see these people sometimes more than you see your own family. So right. you want to have someone yes. on the team that you can just talk to, have a good time with you guys, yeah. have good energy together, etc. And like you said, remember, you're there interviewing them too. So anytime someone asks, oh, do you have any questions of us? Yes, I do. Make sure you have those questions I love it. for them. Absolutely. Right. You better have questions. That's a good one. Yeah. Best piece of advice you've ever heard about career success in general? Um that success is not happiness, but happiness is success. 
Mm. And no, I'm sorry. Ha- yeah, no, I said it right. Success is not happiness. Happiness is success. And it's true. If you ever find yourself chasing the dollars, which I think we've all been guilty of sometimes, yeah. you might find yourself in a position to where, yes, you are successful. You know, um, you might be making the salary that you feel that you want, but you're not necessarily happy because you might not be doing the role that you want. You might not be doing something that you're actually passionate about. I found that when you um, really look for jobs and um, that are in line with your passion and the things that make you happy, then you will be successful. It just happens that way because yeah. you can give the best of you. You're happy. You want to do it. You're you're not Sunday night. Hashtag Sunday night. Did that happen? You want to be there. You're engaged. You're happy. You're going the extra mile. You're asking those questions. People can peg you as that thought leader. Um, and so when you are happy, it will ultimately lead to success, but not the other way around. I love it. I love yeah. it. Here's a good question. Rapid fire as well. You know, a lot of times people can get stuck because they they haven't explored the next step. Like you said, they're extra. They're in that middle of that extra nervous moment in their life of their career. They're, they're overwhelmed with anxiety. They're not sure what's out there. What would you say from your own experience? How would you help them navigate their next step? I do know that you got career coaching. I would want to hear more of how you got to the place where you acknowledged, man, I should get help. I should get career coaching. How did you know that? Um. Well, you know, well, you know, actually, I just had an amazing friend who was like, hey, Brittany, I went to this, um, this camp or this, it was boot camp is what they called it for career coaching and for women specifically. And she's like, and it really, really helped me. And at the time, I, you know, it's just like, there was like, oh, I don't need it. I don't need it. I'm good. You you don't really, sometimes you don't, you don't know what you need, but I went, right? Mm -hmm. Because it was great. And if she spoke highly of it, because my friend who I really trust and love, I was like, all right, it'll be good. And it actually did so much for me because I was able to verbalize my wants and desires. It's not until you really take that time out to sit down, think these things, and and, and do it. Career coaching forces you to do that. Because life happens. And you and you might not really be thinking about it as deeply as you should in, in your regular your regular day in your regular life. But when you see a career coach or you go to some type of camp, it really forces you to be thoughtful yeah. about your career, about your life, about yeah. your happiness, about your goals. Is it in line with you know with my passion and my purpose? It really makes you think think these things through. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So my second to last question: What's your best? song or success quote that has encouraged you over the years especially in your career changes um actually it's what i said before is actually a quote that success is not the key to happiness happiness is a key to success and if you love what you what you're doing you will be successful love it and i've just found that to be true for your life and i think you exude that for sure so i definitely think you you're an example of that my last question to you, Rapid Fire, is what book would you recommend to the She Ventures tribe and why? Okay. I don't have one book because I am an <laughs> avid reader. Are you really? Avid reader. We got to talk. We got to talk after this. Books. What I think is helpful, first of all, is that you do read, but I think it's helpful if you, instead of picking any one book, read a book that's going to encourage and inspire you, whether it's something that's spiritual. If you're spiritual, it's going to help you be aligned because your spirituality is going to be something that's extremely important along the journey of life, not just career, but marriage, life, children, life in general. Yeah. Um, 
and books that will inspire you, whether they have strong uh, female figures or, you know, something that's really helping you in an area of your life that you feel can need some work. But I do think it's important to read because it will take you outside of yourself and into somebody's life for a little bit and then allow you to apply the things that you want and need to your life. I love it. I love it. There's not one book that you would give us a no, I not don't. one. I really, I nah. it's so hard. Oh. And I, I literally, I, I, it's I can't okay. give you one. I can't give you one book. Not even one. Not one. Okay, okay, that's okay. I'm gonna allow it this time. <laughs> oh, so much pressure. It's okay. Well, we've reached the, the grand finale. So here's my last question. It's kind of the bookend to this this interview. Mm-hmm. What's the one thing you believe millennial women need to get over when it comes to changing their career? That sounds a little negative. I might switch up that mm-hmm. question. But what do you think is like the biggest roadblock a lot of millennial women might have in making the career moves that they need to? Yeah. I'll tell you, it's the same thing I dealt with. It's feeling the pressure to live in the status quo culture society that we have in the United States, which is gradually shifting as we do become older and eventually will become, you know, the leaders of the workplace. So we feel this pressure to find a job, stay there. I have to be here three, four, five years before I can leave, you know, just, and do, do my time and do my, and do my do. So I think the biggest thing that we have to get over is this pressure, this, this, I would say it's not relevant much anymore, but this this cultural pressure that we have to just stay in something, whether we're happy or not, because yeah. it'll be good on my resume or, um, you know, for whatever these reasons are that really apply to our parents. And it applied to them because there was a such thing as job security. Yeah, I see people who are older now who say, hey, I've been here for 30, 40 years. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. I don't think that's necessarily a reality for us anymore. Um, so really just trying to figure out how to navigate this world where sometimes a workplace can put these pressures on you that aren't necessarily not necessarily in line of with your goals and your hopes and your dreams. So just getting over that. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Brittany, Miss Brittany Ross. Oh. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. For not only making the time, but being so enthusiastic to give of yourself and talk mm-hmm. about these moments. Yeah, I recognize a lot of the times when I'm interviewing people, these things are not easy to talk about a lot of the times. You yeah. know, a lot of times we don't want to talk about how we were anxious in our careers. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't want to talk about how we had to make changes or pivots. But I find it, I find it incredibly helpful when there's people like you who have a teacher's heart who want to give. And so I just want to let you know, thank you and really appreciate you. Before thank we leave. Sorry. Before we leave, um, could you tell people how they can reach you if they're interested in hearing more about what you do? Yes, you can feel free to uh, find me on Facebook. And my name is Brittany C. Ross or Brittany C. Ross, my full name. And it's actually the same on LinkedIn. Um, definitely find me on LinkedIn. We can definitely chat there. Um, you can also go to my website, which is www.priorityed.org, gotcha. which there will be a launch um, coming this summer. Um, so any way that you can find me, I'm there. But definitely LinkedIn, Facebook, or my, my website. Perfect. 